On this edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad, we catch up with ESPN senior writer and the host of the Low Post Podcast, NBA insider Zach Lowe, kind enough to join us here on this edition. And of course, it's brought to you by the Florida Department of Transportation. Reminds you that fans don't let fans drive drunk. If you've been drinking, don't get behind the wheel. Instead, find a sober driver or catch a ride service. Remember, drive sober or get pulled over. Have a great night and drive safe. Oh, lots to get into here on this edition of Magic Pod Squad, including a national perspective from Zach Lowe on the success of the Orlando Magic this season and what lies ahead. The terrific rookie season of Paolo Bancaro, year two of Franz Wagner, and maybe the best quietest story in the NBA, the return of Markel Fultz. We get into all of that. And of course, he's a big fan of David Steele and Jeff Turner on the broadcast. So we get into, is this anything? And we have a proposition for Zach at the end of this show. You're going to enjoy it. This one with our good friend Zach Lowe on Magic Pod Squad. This is Fonz Wagner of the Orlando Magic. This is Cole Anthony. This is Jalen Suggs. This is Paolo Bancaro of the Orlando Magic. And you're listening to the Pod Squad. All right, and welcome everyone to another edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad. Dante Marcatelli, David Steele, Jeff Turner, George Galante. And it's my pleasure to bring in our guest. He is Zach Lowe, senior writer for ESPN, broadcaster extraordinaire. He's the host of the Low Post podcast, writer of Lowe's 10 Things. Is there anything else that I left, Zach, off the list? You do it all. You do it all. I cook and- dinner twice a week, okay. mediocre nice. dinners. Um uh, I'm an okay driver. I don't know. Okay. You know, there's, I have some other skills, not very many, but some other skills. Do you have a go-to dish? What's this dinner dish you got? Twice I know. I generally cook whatever blue apron tells me to cook. Although I did discover how to make a uh, cilantro sauce on my own, which my daughter really likes. She always wants my cilantro sauce on things that it shouldn't go on. Um, but that, that <laughs> that's, that's impressive. A, I have very few culinary skills, but I can follow <laughs> instructions decently enough. Chicken nuggets, chicken nuggets with cilantro sauce—is that what mm-hmm. she's looking for? She, well, chicken nuggets. She knows that's ketchup. That's uh, that's all. She, that's that's when the <laughs> right, half right. the bottle of ketchup is used in one shot. Well, listen, Zach, it's a it's a pleasure for us to talk to you. We're excited about this to talk all things magic and NBA. Uh, first of all, you've been so kind to the broadcast, especially Dave and Jeff over the years. So I know I speak for everybody. We're very appreciative of that. We wonder why you're watching so many games. For the Orlando Magic, but we love it, and we certainly appreciate that. So, so thank you very much, Zach. That means a lot. Well, people, people are are always like. Even last week, someone was like, "Why do you have Devin Vassell from the Spurs in your in your ten things?" I'm like, "It's my job to watch the whole league. I mean, you do end up watching the best teams a little bit more because when they play each other, like Celtics, Bucks, in a couple of days, like you, you have to watch that game. That's a must watch. But I like watching. Those are where you find you know the developmental stories, the cool stories, and look. I've I I also I also criticize broadcasts that mm-hmm. I don't particularly yeah. enjoy because they're homers or they're just the tone I don't like or whatever it is. So when I do say nice things, I it I mean it. And you guys, all of you, everyone on this call, Dante, George, and Joel, who's not on here, and David and Jeff as the as the front men on the actual broadcast, it's just it's a joy. It's like, it's like every time I watch a magic game, it's like getting into a warm bath or something. It's just the personalities are are nice. The tone is, is exactly what I want. The mix of humor and X's and O's um, and the chemistry between David and, and Jeff. It's like, it's like I can, when they're doing, is this anything, which I assume we'll yes. talk about, I can just imagine 
Jeff coming down into the lobby at the hotel on the road and David's got his cup of coffee and like <laughs> a laptop up and Jeff comes down and like, all right, what are you, what are you looking at now? And he's like, okay, well, let me tell you this crazy thing. I felt like I, it's, I feel like I'm there with you guys. I, I did not tell him any of that. I did not tell him any of that. That's all just yeah, picture. Us, it's and... usually in a coffee shop, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly Spot how it on. was. Warm bath. I'm not sure about the warm bath. <laughs> I know. Pretty good, Zach. Well, you guys do great work. It's 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 fun to Thanks. listen to, and the chemistry really um, comes through on on the broadcast, which is really what's important. Yeah, well, we certainly yeah, appreciate no that. And uh, Zach, I wanted to ask you, why do you think more writers like yourself don't watch more of the NBA? Mm-hmm. This this is a pet peeve that I have. That um, it it seems like uh, the NBA national media coverage is so. Laker, Knicks, Celtics, the big markets, you know, the, the high profile teams. But, you know, there are a lot of fans out there that uh, th- that would like to read more and find out more about their teams. And I think you, you've tapped into that. I just don't understand why more writers don't take that approach. I think more do than you than you might think. Um, I, I, I even if they do, I'm not sure how incentivized they are maybe to talk about it like or write about it. Um, but I think people are paying attention, maybe not as much as I do. Look, I mean, it, on the simplest level, there are more fans of those teams. And so you get more clicks when you do it. But I've always told I've always told people like if you you if you go to any market it, like Milwaukee, when the Bucks were bad or. Detroit or Orlando and you you go there for four or five days and you get good stuff if it's good people will read it people will not not as many people as will read anything about LeBron or the Lakers or Steph and the Warriors that's just life but enough people that you would feel fulfilled by the time you had spent there I'm I'm a big believer in that like yes I know if I go to Detroit this season unless like some crazy scandalous thing happens while I was there. It's not going to draw a huge amount of eyeballs, but if it's good, it's good. And people will read it. And honestly, like in the blink of an eye, Orlando or Detroit or San Antonio is going to be a relevant team. And you're going to have a head start. If you've been paying attention to the team on its path to relevance, uh, instead of just sort of being like, all right, let me figure out who this Franz Wagner guy is. Mm. Zach, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, you obviously, as David kind of alluded to, you watch a lot of basketball. Um, what does a, what is a typical day for Zach Lowe look like? Like, when does it start? Are you recording games or like, how does that all work that you're able to do all this and be, by the way, make dinners, be a dad. (laughs) I'm like a C plus at those other things. Um, (laughs) uh, So, I mean, like my whole thing is time management, right? Like watching a game live is forget the pregame postgame stuff. That's a two and a half hour commitment. So if I'm at a game, like I'm going to the Knicks game tonight, I will have up on my laptop uh, one of the seven or seven thirty Eastern tips, like a magic game, for instance, is a seven o'clock tip. God bless the seven o'clock tips. Never go Amen. to seven thirty. Um, <laughs> and I'll watch that game. You know, if it's a seven o'clock game, the Knicks are seven thirty. So I'll watch the first quarter before the Knicks game even starts, and then halftime commercials. And like you'd be surprised, you can crank out almost an entire second game while the game you're watching is unfolding. Then in the car ride or on the train ride back, I might watch crunch time of another game. Or, you know, if I'm home, if I'm not going to a game, like 
technology is amazing. I can put my daughter to bed, read her some books, sit down at 8.15 and in two and a half hours, watch two games. Like it's, it's, if you plan your days, right. It's not that hard to watch that much. I mean, it's not like I, I people are always like, do you watch every game? And I, even my friends, like how many games do you watch like 10 a night? I'm like, do you really like, do you understand that that's <laughs> just not humanly possible to do that? Right my, right. my religion is two games a day. That's the closest thing I have to religion is two games a day. And uh, I, I stick to that. Zach, for those that don't know, tell everybody how you got your start, how, how you got to where you are and just a little bit of background, just, just on you. So I have a crazy, strange, like totally non-replicable well, maybe I don't know. I was I got out of college and I was a high school teacher for two years um, just because I liked kids and I liked teaching and I liked reading and I liked writing. And that's my both my parents are teachers, public school teachers. So that's kind of what I just thought I would do. Um, then I went to graduate school to get maybe a Ph.D. in history and become a professor and live live like on college campuses for the rest of my life. And about a year or two into that, I got bored. And I realized it was something I didn't want to do. And I've always loved sports. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a sports writer. And I started to, as a stringer covering high school football in Virginia on Friday nights and really liked it and thought, okay, this feels like something I want to do. Got into journalism, didn't get a sports job. I was covering crime, courts, just all sorts of stuff that wasn't sports. But anytime there was a sports assignment that they needed someone to do, I would try to do it. Um, and then I just, long story short, I, I was like, I, I think I want to do sports. I want to do sports. I, I want to make the transition. And I started meeting with editors in New York and through connections that I had. And what kept coming back to me, this is like 2008, 2009 was mm -hmm. We don't have enough people covering the NBA. We need people covering the NBA. Would you like to do some freelance NBA stuff for us? So I did a lot of freelance NBA stuff, like a year or two of it. Sports Illustrated then hired me to be their blogger. And that is is my career now. And I always tell people, and I don't mean this facetiously, like I owe my job and a lot of people in NBA media owe their jobs to the decision in 2010, the LeBron decision in 2010, because that landed in sports media, like an earthquake and mm -hmm. every publication was caught off guard by the level of interest in the decision and the, just the, the clamoring for where's he going to go? The heat becoming the villains. Who's the next guy who's going to pair up? Like no one really saw that coming as a huge, um, the level of interest in it. So that's, that's the very short version of what is a strange Strange path. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, Zach. We get asked a lot, you know, how do you break into broadcasting? How do, you, how do you get your start? And we'll start to say some of those things, high school sports or be a stringer or free, and you can just see the eyes go in the back of their head. They, they don't want to put in the work. Not everybody, but, they, but there's a lot of that. What do you tell people when they ask you, how, how do I get started or what do I do? What, what's your advice uh, to people to get started? It's, it's really, really hard. And sometimes yeah. I honestly want to tell people, try something else. Like it's just yeah. because the media industry is tough and it's getting tougher and worse every year. Entry-level pay is horrible. Um, and just the reality of it is like I had, I freelanced for two years. I had two jobs for two years. I had a job that was like paying the bills job as at a magazine and it was a good job and I loved it and I worked hard at it. And then that job would end and I would run home and start doing my other job, which was paying no bills and was covering the NBA. 
hoping to get my work noticed. And it's not really the way that it should be. And there's obvious, you know, privilege um, sort of underlying that, like who, who can actually afford to give away their time for free and why are they in those circumstances? But I had two jobs for two years just to try to break into sports writing. And it's, it's hard. It's just hard. Like, it's, I remember being a stringer at the high school football games in Virginia for, yeah. I don't know how I probably made 50 bucks a game and I would sit there and that was back in the day where I would be writing down like number 33, three yard rush, like play by play by play right. all the way, all the way down. That's great. That's great. You know, now you're here talking uh, to George Galante. Up, uh, That's great. <laughs> I grew up uh, in, in an era where, you know, I couldn't wait to get the sports illustrated every, every oh. week and read Curry Kirkpatrick or, uh, um, Dan Jenkins or, uh, you know, the great sports writers of that era. Um, to me, you're, you're a throwback. And they, to me, there are not that many journalists, especially in sports, that write the way that you do. I mean, you, you, you know, you're very clear and concise, but you also have some personalities, some panache. You, you know, you come up with interesting angles to look at things. Um, why, why is it so rare these days? I mean, is, is media just so watered down because of uh, all the available, you know, bloggers. And uh, I mean, you know, obviously newspapers are all but gone. So, you know, people with your kind of skill are trying to figure out how to make a living, which you've done as well as anybody in the country. But uh, what, what I guess I guess my question is, why aren't there more people that, that handle their jobs like you do? I worked at newspapers for four years and it was it was hard then like you didn't. And it's just I can't even imagine how how hard it is, given the staffing reductions at every newspaper, the the ones that still exist and publish seven days a week. You know, um, even my job now, like I podcast more frequently than I used to, because I guess that's where the demand is. Uh, I have I do TV more frequently than I used to, because that's where the demand is. I don't have as much time anymore to go luxuriate in Orlando for four days and talk to Aaron Afalo. And, you know, I'm talking about what like big features I did years ago. Like I don't have as much time to do that anymore. And I think, I think, I, I think part of it is the demands to just feed the beast are such that, I mean, you see writers, you probably see it sitting there where you guys sit during games writers are filing their stories yeah. at halftime or they have to finish their notebook column from what the coach said at pregame or shoot around because the paper needs or someone needs that now. And it just, that's really hard work and it's hard to multitask. It's hard to do that and do deeper, more analytical stuff. It's just a If you want to have any kind of life outside of the game, if, if you have a family, it's just hard. And I'm, I'm really lucky that I don't have to do as much of the daily grind as I used to. I mean, when I was at sports illustrated, I was writing four blog posts a day, which probably a 25 year old now thinks is nothing. But for me, it was like, my hair was on fire all the goddamn day long. And I didn't have time <laughs> to do really anything. Like I didn't have right. time to go meet people for coffee. I mean, that's how you make yeah. connections in the business, right? You go to right. Orlando and you sit down with the GM and the assistant GM and the coaches and the scouts, and you have a beer and you talk about basketball and like that's it's hard to find time for that now. Well, we always value your insight and your input. I know Magic fans do, too. This Magic team, as we sit right now, Zach, a 10 win turnaround from last year. That's the largest turnaround in the Eastern Conference. It's the, right as we sit now. It's the sixth largest in franchise history. Just from a from a national perspective, let, let's get your thoughts on, on kind of where this organization is headed, in your opinion. 
I think are they 27 and 24 in their last 51? Something like that, right? So yes, they're like yeah. they're yeah. over 500 over two thirds of a season now, or some significant 60% right. of a season. Like that's a real, that's a real thing. And um, and they did that with, you know, I mean, not that Terrence Ross and Mo Bamba were playing huge minutes, but they're gone. Bull Bull's not playing anymore. He was the sort of feel-good story of the first 40 games of the season. Um even Gary Harris is kind of up or down as, as your fifth starter. Sometimes he's one of four, like last night, he was one of four, one of five. Um, I, the two forwards are going to be all-stars, both of them, Bancaro and Wagner. And you can find a lot of people around the NBA who would, if you force them to pick, would rather have Wagner, which I think would surprise um, a lot of casual fans or just regular fans who just Bancaro is such a monster for a rookie and he's putting up so many points, but that's how well-regarded Franz Wagner is. And that Vucevic trade, I know it hurts to lose a guy who was a core part of your team for so long, a really popular teammate, popular with the fans, popular with you guys, you know, part of the yeah. Dwight trade back in the day. To get Wendell Carter Jr. and Wagner and another pick coming in, whether it's this year or next year, whenever it is, they're pretty well set up. Um, I think the guard conversation is going to be very interesting. Do they regard Fultz as a stone cold lock starting point guard on a on a team that wants to make playoff noise next season? Do they regard him as that alongside Bancaro and Wagner, who need the ball a lot and are very creative players? Is he a good off ball um, pairing for them? Where does Suggs fit in? He's had an injury, you know, has cost him a lot of games. He's been up and down. Cole Anthony has sort of settled in now as a as a really good backup point guard. Is he happy with that? Are they happy with that? So I think the guard stuff is interesting, but clearly they're on the three-man front court of Bancaro, Wagner, Carter is a legit good NBA front court that will be even better next year. Zach, talk about your observations of Paolo. You know, we're... We try not to be too biased and everything, but we have a bias towards Paolo for Rookie of the Year. Um, you know, it, it, personally, my opinion, I don't see how it's not a unanimous pick, but I know there's a lot of talk about some other players. What are your thoughts on Paolo? It's not going to be a unanimous pick. I can tell you that for sure. Um, <laughs> Amazing. I am not. I am not sure who I'm voting for yet. Oh, um, Zach Lowe. Come on now. Hey, look, do you want me to come on the podcast and be honest? Or do you want me to come yes, on the podcast yes. and just say whatever whatever you want to hear? Um, you're, you're, about to get a, you're about to get a, they go inside. You're about to get a packet say, of Palo Ranchero sauce, courtesy of George Galante here. That's we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into that. I do I like hot, I do like hot sauce. Um uh I put hot sauce on way too many things. Um <laughs> look, it, it's it's one of these things like I've had some people within the league, just totally impartial people, people on none of the teams that are involved in this say, Hey, have you have you looked at Walker Kessler for rookie of the year? I mean, look at his numbers, look at the efficiency, look at what he's doing defensively on a team that's better than expected. And I say, yeah, I've looked at it. And with all respect to that guy, who's going to be on my ballot for sure somewhere and is a no brainer first team all rookie. He has a 12% usage rate. Uh, and like his job is to play defense and screen and roll and get offensive rebounds. It's like, it's, it's not even just apples to oranges between him and a guy like Bancaro who is thrust into the role as number one option on a rebuilding team. And when you are that, and when you are, what is he 20 years old? Um, yeah. You're, you're going to have low shooting percentages and 
you're going to shoot. He's at 43% overall, 29% on threes. Like that's the price that you pay for that. And it's a price Walker Kessler doesn't have to pay. And I think he's a great player to be clear. I think in between those extremes, the kid in Oklahoma city is coming and he has played like a borderline all-star for the last two months of the season in a role that isn't as voluminous as Bancaro's. He's not the number one option. They have a number one option scoring 31 points a game in Shea Gilders Alexander, but he's oftentimes the number two option and he's up to like 14 a game. Bancaro's at 20. So there's a raw points difference there, but the efficiency that he's doing 14, 15 points a game is, is pretty high. And I think he's probably a better defensive player right now than Bancaro. Bancaro's defense has been better than I thought it would be given what I had heard about him at Duke and stuff. I think he's been fine. Um, I think it's a two-man race between those guys, and I I don't think it's going to be unanimous. I hate to, I hate to be the bearer of. of I, I think it's actually probably up in the air. I I would wait, bet uh, Bay, I bet Bay, I, I would bet Bancaro wins, but it's close. Oh oh, I wish it wasn't the rookie of the last two months instead of the last rookie of the year. Well, but like, two, I, I digress. Two, two months, two, two months is thirty something games. Like two months is not is not nothing. And True, agree. Um, it is interesting. Like. Some people, the, the first two months is what they prioritize. And like that kind of sets the baseline and everything after that becomes a haze. And some people have the recency bias of like the last two months is what sticks in their head. And I'm not sure either one of those is better or worse way of perceiving than the other. I mean, it, but I think it's going to be close. Sorry. And I, well, can I make the argument? And I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's even founded on anything, but, but you look at if Paulo had a clear number one, right. And now he's number two, right. And you look at the attention that that person's getting, what would Paulo's numbers look like if there was a 30 point score alongside, I, I kind of think of Scotty Barnes last year playing with two all-stars that just kind of freed him up. You know, I, I think Jalen Williams, second, third, fourth on scouting reports where paulo has been first. Any validity to that possibly, or you know, how, that, how, that, do you, how do you do that? That's what I was getting into and sort of the yeah, difference between yeah. a guy like Bancaro and Kessler. And the, there is a difference. It's just one of a smaller degree between Bancaro and Jalen Williams. And it just some of it will be, you know, I mean, this is a year where almost every awards race, it's March 29th. There are like six, seven games left there. So many of them are still up in the air because so many teams are still playing for stuff. And right. part of it will be, I mean, Jalen Williams had 33 last night, I think, or 31 last night in a game without SGA that they lost. But those games that the Thunder and other teams are playing in are going to carry a lot of weight because they're all going to be big games. And if he shows out in the next six, seven games, I think that's going to make a difference. The Magic are... Um, hanging by a thread in the play-in race, mm-hmm. the game, the stakes aren't quite the same. Um, tough loss to the Grizz last night, but playing well, playing playing hard and playing well. So, Zach, as a writer, Dante joked around that you're going to get a packet of Ranchero sauce, <laughs> but, uh, but do you get in, because we, you know, Joel and I and Trish and everybody in our department, we have our own way of handling it the way we've handled it for years. We usually don't get into the to the gimmicks. We don't, we don't send a box of cereal or, or anything like that. I, as a writer, do you, okay. I mean, do you appreciate that that tactic? Because we we like to do things a different way, and you know, I, I want to hear from a writer's perspective what so, you feel about getting the uh, you know the the, the <laughs> box of the hamburger items or something like that. I, that. I very my my where I lost it was <laughs> living in a small New York City apartment 
The Rockets sent me a million things. Among them was a Chandler Parsons-themed Monopoly game touting him as most improved player. So I don't even remember. Okay. And I just thought to myself, I don't have space for any of this stuff anymore. <laughs> like, And I have more space now that we, we moved out and we have a house now. But I just like I put it this way. I called ESPN like five, six years ago. And I was like, I told them because they would forward me stuff from Bristol or mm-hmm. L.A. Like, that's where some of these things would arrive. Mm-hmm. And I told them, stop whatever you get. Just give it to people who are in the office there. Do not send it to my house. I don't want it. I don't want to, like, have to recycle the boxes. I don't want to have to give it away. Um, and now, of course, you guys have access to our home addresses in a lot of cases. I don't know if we're in the blue book or where we are. So I can't stop the flow of it anymore. But um I'm just looking around my office now. I have stuff from All Star. I'm literally meeting a friend of mine today to drop off a Donovan Mitchell themed All Star item from the Cavaliers. <laughs> it's like a cube that lights up and does all sorts of stuff that has his name and number on it. Her son is a gigantic Donovan Mitchell fan. I was like, you want this? I don't want. It. I don't have any space for it. So I appreciate the. Um, minimalist approach to awards campaigning. And so does my wife who is like, what is this stuff? Why is it taking up our living room? What is this gigantic box? So I, that's, that works for me. Okay, good. Cause that's what you're going to get from the magic. I just want to <laughs> let you know, I did. It's, it's going to get an email. Be, it's not going to be fancy and it's not going to be, you know, now, it's not going to have light up. Uh, the cle- If there are some that are really clever, I will, I will tip my hat to the cleverness before figuring out what to do with this object that now lives in my house somewhere. But I at least, at least make it, if you're going to do something, at least make it clever. But it's well, not going to he influence your vote though. It's right. not oh right. God. Right. The, the right. idea, I don't right. think teams do this to influence votes. I don't think, I, I think teams do this because they want to show their players and, and by, by extension, other players in the league, like, Hey, this is how much we care about our guys. This is what we do for you while we're here. I hope you remember this when you're a free agent or when you talk about what the Orlando magic or the Houston Rockets or whoever about, I don't, if they think you, they're swaying votes, um, they must not think very highly of the media voters. If they think a, a, a cube or a cassette player or a <laughs> lamp or a shirt is going to be like, you know what? I think I do want this guy third team all yes. NBA. This shirt yes. is really nice. Like they, they must not think very highly. I'm going to vote him. We got to find him a Hito Turka glue stick. That was still yeah. one of my favorites. We got to find one of those for, <laughs> just for nostalgia. I, I love the article you wrote. You mentioned uh, in one of your 10 things, Markel Fultz, one of the quietest, quietest, best stories in the NBA. We feel that way. We love the comeback story. This has been 55, 56 consecutive games. He's healthy. Just your thoughts on, on how good, can Markel Fultz be? It's a great story. Yeah. The best part about it is soon it's not going to be a comeback story anymore. Soon it's just going to be Markel Fultz is a good NBA player. Yeah. And if you look back at just what happened to him in Philly, the just forgetting how to shoot and, you know, all of that. And then he goes to you guys in what turns out to be a good trade for both sides. Yeah. And, Misses almost two full seasons with injuries. I think towards eight, one of them is an ACL tear, right? ACL. I don't remember if there yeah. was another one. Yeah. Um, and you just throw all of that on top of a player, number one pick, bust, can't shoot. What happened to him? It's a mystery that no one has really solved. And then you throw the injuries on top of it. 
it just feels like eight times out of 10, that story ends with the, he's out of the league now. That's just, he's gone or he's in overseas or it's just, he's a 12th guy just getting, just sticking in the league by a hair. He's a good NBA point guard. Now he's a legit NBA starting point guard. I don't know if he's, like I said before, if he's the ideal fit next to Bancaro and Wagner, just because he's still a pretty reluctant three-point shooter. Mid-range shot is is nice now. Um, free throws, he's always shot free throws well, which is one yeah. of one of the strange things about the whole thing. But um, there are only 30 NBA starting point guards on earth, and he's one of them, and he deserves to be one of them. And I don't know if he's 18th, 20th, 14th, 21st, wherever you want to rank him, that's still pretty damn good considering where he was. And I just think it hasn't gotten enough attention. Like we, Ben Simmons has gotten to use another sixer, just as comparison, his current predicament and the vanishing of his game has gotten a ton of attention because we all look at the car crash, right? I mean, it's like irresistible media coverage. He's been in big markets. I don't think Fultz's story has gotten enough national attention. It's a great, great story. And he's not, now it's just a story of a guy who plays well and hard every night. Yeah. Awesome. Now that kind of, that kind of circles back to what we talked about earlier. The Simmons thing gets more attention uh, in part because it's a train wreck, but also in part because he's in the markets that national people like you cover and Markel Fultz is not. So, you know, that's what, uh, that's what we were talking about earlier. I wanted to ask you also Zach about, um, the effects of the play in tournament. Now we're, we're several years into this. We've talked about it. It was the subject of an, is this anything? I think at one point along the way, I think I saw that one, how few teams there are now that really down the stretch in the last month of the season that don't have very much to play for in terms of, you know, incentive late in the season. Uh, we, we feel like it's worked out really well, even though Jeff was a reluctant, uh, play in tournament guy when, when the idea was first broached, but now I think even JT's on board. What are your thoughts? Well, the ultimate test case is LeBron, right? Who called for poor Evan Wash, the architect of the play-in, although he didn't name him, to get fired in his in his the first year of it because you know it was it was antithetical to how he thought the league operated. And then when the Lakers needed to play, and all of a sudden <laughs> it was like kind of nice to have this backdoor into the great. playoffs. It's an absolute home run. I mean, you every this used to be half the games by now were unwatchable, Ooh. if not if not more than half. Just they were like eating a plate of broccoli. Like, all right, I got to watch Team X versus Team Y because I feel responsible to do it. And I got a column to write in and blah, blah, blah. And now they're every game feels like it's a big deal that SGA's out this game and this Pelicans Warriors come back last night. It's a huge game with playoff implications. It just it's it's awesome. Every year there will be a couple of teams who, because of injuries and circumstance and losing streaks, kind of parachute out at the last minute. And say, you know, the flip side of the play in tournament is that it's more profitable than it used to be to be in the middle of the lottery. So let's try to improve our odds there. And that's kind of Portland this year is is doing that. And, you know, maybe some other teams will join them. But overall, I mean, I don't even is there even a counter argument anymore that that it's been a massive success? Is there is there even a is there a fringe of people who are like, I don't want to play in tournament. I don't even think that exists. Mm -hmm. And, And couple that with the draft with the, the, the odds that shifted three or four years ago. I, I just think the combination of both has really been effective for the league. Do you guys like the way they do it? Like the seven versus eight, the nine versus 10 kind of single. Have you, have you heard better ideas than that? 
No, but I also think like the, the team that's in seventh, boy, they really must, I mean, say they finish one game out of seventh, but five games ahead of the team that's eighth and and they still have to go through, uh, you know, the, the process, but at the same, I mean, there has to be a line somewhere and, and, and that seven spot, I mean, it does seem, you can't really think of another way to do it. I just think that like, boy, that seven is so, so close to six and further away from 11, but but I get it. I, I I get it. I'm all I'm all on board because honestly, like the Magic are still, we're still alive, right? And if this was an, another scenario yeah, where the play right. exists, we we would have been over probably two weeks ago. So it's it's from our perspective, it's great. Yeah, I think that was my my original uh, skepticism. Probably came from you know I, I think in the bubble, uh, if you remember, I think we were what were we George seven yeah. or eight. And then Washington was like five, six games behind. It's like they right. were really basically eliminated and it gave them an opportunity, which, you know, I thought at the time, maybe that would be the case, but, you know, uh, going forward, but I think they've tweaked it enough um, with the games that I, I think it's, it's good for the league. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Zach, I got to get your thoughts on is this anything before we let you go. I mean, oh, when you watch, you, right? You watch all these broadcasts. I mean, you got to see behind the scenes. First of all, the pitch is amazing, right? He comes in with about four ideas, knowing last is going to be the one he really wants to sell. But he'll throw some feeders out there. Right? Kind of working on this. Kind of working on this. Guy six eleven from Harlem. Kind of got this whole thing, and he'll throw that out there and get some nibbles. And then he comes with the zinger, and it's a doozy every night. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, and the, and you've now created this suspense where the truck, this this disembodied <laughs> truck somewhere, is going to be the ultimate judge of this, like an unseen god or wizard of Oz or something. And you have Jeff as the foil, who sometimes <laughs> is on board, sometimes will get. That seems like a little bit of a stretch. I don't you know. can tell. You can tell when he's not, though, can't you? You can tell oh, when yeah. he's not on board. Yeah. <laughs> and and so and it's just it's one of those things. It's one of the reasons I love your guys' broadcast is because it's just you can't you can't overscript those things. They just flow out of how you guys process and think about the game, and they turn into this thing that is. I'm assuming beloved among your fans, you know, whether it's a ding, I see there's a Twitter account that tracks the dings and the non dings. <laughs> and I'm I, honestly, the most impressive thing to me is someone who digs around basketball reference quite a bit in his normal, sad everyday life. Like if he's coming in with four ideas, yes. Dave, David, you have no staff. You're doing this on your own. Like that's actually, we're sitting here chuckling about it. That's work. That's time. Amazing. That's yeah. time you could be doing other Way things. But that, that's time. hard work. <laughs> but but um, like, don't be facetious about it. Like that's yeah. all of this stuff is hard. Is is work. Whether you consider it hard or not, it's work and it's time. It's time that you could be spending doing other things. And it's just that's what gotta, my wife tells me, Zach. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure there are days. I'm actually maybe I'm. I would ask you. I'm sure there are days where you wake up and you're like, "Oh my god, what have I, I done? I don't have a this is anything, and I really would like to go on the treadmill or have a coffee with my buddy in whatever city we're in, and I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to squeeze it in. Like it's. I, I'm. I'm not making light of it. Like it's a real. It's work. That's 100%. <laughs> David, that, David, that sounds like that sounds like 2012 to 17 right there. That that, that exact <laughs> expression. 
Oh, Zach, Zach, you'll appreciate this. Like the, um, the amazing thing is when we travel, it doesn't matter what city we're in, you'll be walking somewhere and there'll be somebody that yells, David, was it anything? You know, I mean, it's like people are just, I, I just think it's amazing, you know, that he's created this, you know, and, and basically he created it just to kind of, to entertain ourselves on the broadcast yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a big part of what it is. I, you know, it's just, uh, it's funny. how many, how many people are in the truck? Is there one person in the truck that is the actual arbiter or is all of this state secret and you can't even talk about, we can't even talk about yeah, it. I, I can't think talk that's about the beauty it. Of it right? <laughs> it's it's kind of got to stay, but I think, should we arrange a visit from Zach and, you know, bring Kevin Clark with you. I know you guys are great talking oh, magic together. You know, I, I, he does such a great job, too. We'd love to have you guys whenever you come down. Maybe we can. Can we send them in the truck, guys? David, do you think we'd be up for that? David, can we lift the curtain for that? That would be it. interesting. We hear I think, we, I think that's a truck. I think that's a column, Zach. I think that's a column. <laughs> Man, it's under the of, curtain. That's like. That's like opening the inner sanctum of the Hall of Fame or something. I mean, that's <laughs> I truth be told, I had I I would feel. I would feel nervous being in the presence of the truck. And <laughs> right. if there's a bell, I assume there's a bell somewhere. Um, yeah. And I... uh, it, it, one team that I will not name three, four years ago, because I have another, I'm, I'm a little up, upset that stuff has not made an appearance here. Cause I have, you know, I'm a mascot guy and stuff is one of my favorite yes. mascots. True. Stuff. Yes. The magic true. dragon um, is, I assume that's his full name. Stuff. The magic it dragon. Is. Yes. Stuff. Right. The magic right. dragon. Or a magic uh, mascot, I think. Uh, another another team that shall not be named once asked me, hey, would you like to come be our mascot for a game and write about it and, Ooh. you know, do the trampoline dunk and see what it's like? And I thought I thought about it and I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do the performative. <laughs> I, I probably should have done it. Um, but the, the 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 bell feels the or the the truck feels workable. We can I, do I that. Hold on. I will tell you guys the I had uh, a couple of beers the other night with with the truck and uh and the and the truck the truck is the truck is angry that he hasn't been asked to be on the pod squad, apparently, that I didn't know about. So oh, interesting. You, you, may be, the, the, you may be facing seven uh five more buzzers here at the end as, as, the, as the end Ooh. of the year wraps up. Controversy, controversy. Very <laughs> interesting, very interesting. Well, Zach, we can't thank you enough. I know Magic fans will will enjoy this. Keep up the great work, and we hope to get you down here soon. We'd love to have you here in Orlando, and we'll and we'll talk to you soon. We'll let you get back to your cilantro sauce and and everything that you got going, <laughs> going on. I, it's my if pleasure, guys. I hope to make a visit um, next season. Uh, it, it's it's always a good market to see, and the weather's always good. And I could take my daughter to Disney, maybe or something like that. But it truly, yes. it's a pleasure to to hang with you guys. And um, you guys do great work. And I tell people all the time, if you're watching a Magic game, watch the Magic broadcast. It's just a joy. So thank you for all the work that you put in, and the good vibes you send out, and the enjoyable broadcasts 82 times a year. Thank you guys. That means a lot. Thank you very much, Zach. We'll talk to you soon. That'll do it for this edition of Magic Pod Squad.